This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you. Bless all of you. Glad you made it out today. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Our ushers that get the Word of God in your hand, and I highly prescribe that. You know, you go to a doctor, he's going to prescribe something for you. So you came to church today, and I'm going to prescribe something for you. Get in the Word of God, all right? Need the Bible, so raise your hand or ushers and put the Word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel 13, again, if you're a guest, we're honored to have you watching by live stream. We welcome you. You're going to be challenged today by the Word of God, all right? So as you're turning to 1 Samuel 13, you know, I, I start with this question for you. Does... The intimidation that comes from man, has it caused you to compromise? And when I talk about intimidation, it could be peer pressure. It could be just going through the crowd or with the crowds. It could be even family. And one of the, the highlights that I want to make a point before we even start is we, we are in a civil war of values right now. And many times with that civil war of values, you're going to have to make a stand. And so the intimidation comes from the root of fear. And I'm either going to fear God or I'm going to fear man. And who I fear has eternal consequences. So you're going to 1 Samuel chapter 13. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase just for a little bit here. We'll get to about number or verse number Seven, say First Samuel 13, verse 7. So Saul is the king, and he's going up to battle against the Philistines. And he has a 1,000 men, and his son Jonathan has 2,000 men. And so Jonathan attacks an outpost of the Philistines, and it isn't good. The Philistines take note on it, and they, they do not like what's taking place. And so literally... They make them mad. And so the Philistines are coming after the Israelites here. And they got this massive army. I mean massive army. So we pick up 1 Samuel chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 6. And so when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed. So why were the people distressed? They were distressed by what they saw. And so they saw this very intimidating army. And so sometimes in our life, we, we get outnumbered and, and we're the minority instead of the majority. And we begin to let people and, and opinions intimidate us. So this is what's going on with them. Goes on to say here. Then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. It literally put them on the run. Is there something or someone in your life right now that puts you on the run? Verse 7. So some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was in Gilgal all among the people, and they followed him trembling. So man, I'm telling you, they are in bad shape. They're trembling. They're in fear. Verse 8. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. Now what this literally means is Samuel told, and Samuel was the prophet. He told Saul the king, he said, listen, 
You, you go to Gilgal and you wait in the temple for, for seven days. And this was what he was told to do, okay? That's what this is talking about. And so he goes on to say, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So just because it didn't happen on Saul's watch, just because it doesn't happen on your watch, what do you do? Do you become impatient? Do you take things into your own hands? Do you try to outrun God? I don't know about you, I've, I've tried to outrun God before. That's not good. With God, I'd rather be late than early. At least when I'm late, I know he's with me. When I'm early, he's not with me. And so right here, what you see is Saul jumps the gun. Have any of you ever jumped the gun? Yeah. Woo. Verse 9. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, thank God we live in New Testament, but literally what the burnt offering meant was they would take an animal and use it as a lamb without spot or blemish, no defects. And they would take him to the priest and he would kill the, the, the lamb. He would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the uh, altar. And then after that, everything that was left, they would burn it up. Now, it gives me a picture of what the Lord Jesus does for us. Thank God for the Lord Jesus. His blood, it represents me, it washes me. But when I repent from my sin, the Lord said in 1 John 1, 9 that he's faithful and just not only to forgive me, but to cleanse me. He releases it. So this is a picture of this. So this is what Saul does. Verse 10. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he may greet him. And Samuel says, what have you done? What have, now, this wasn't a question, but rather this was shock. What have you done? In other words, what do you think you're doing? And so he's challenged right here immediately. And Saul responded and said, when I saw the people were scattered with me. Now note, when I saw the people, it shows me there, there's something begins to happen with the people. They, they are influencing him in some way. When I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come with the days appointed and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. So if you look what he says real quick, it's the people, and you didn't do what you were supposed to. So now I had to take things into my own hands. He goes on to say, Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and I offered a burnt offering. So you know what this is? Excuses. Excuses, excuses. And Saul tries to rationalize what he did. And in verse 12, on three different times, he says, I. I, I, I. 
And when I start looking to I, I'm going to get in trouble. Verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. Literally meaning here, the fool in Scripture is one who is devoid of moral and spiritual character. So if I said, you fool right now, would that define me? I'm devoid of moral and spiritual character. Uh-oh. He goes on to say, here's why he acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. So he gets over immediately on Saul's disobedience. And I believe every one of us in here, oftentimes, we look at our disobedience as, it's not a big thing. It's not a big deal. Disobedience in man's eyes not, may not be a big deal, but it's huge in God's eyes. Why do I say that? Well, we go back to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, one of our main scriptures texts. And remember, at the end of Solomon's life, he said, here's the conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. This is man's all. What's all? What is man's all's? That I've got to learn to fear God, and the fear of God in my life is revealed by the way I obey God. Woo. He says, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself after a man after his own heart. Now, if you want to see who the man was after his own heart, you got to come next week, okay? That's next week. Just giving you a little, little nibble of what's going to happen next week. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. You have not done what the Lord commanded you. Now, when I read this, this is incredible. You haven't done what I've commanded you. And so what you begin to see here is the Lord said, I'm going to replace you. So many times we look at disobedience again, it's not a big thing, it's huge. So turn a couple pages there to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this is another passage of King Saul. And the reason I wanna highlight this is because I can't make disobedience a pattern in my life. And it'll, it'll highlight a little bit about where we're going even with King Saul. I can't make disobedience a way of life. I, I can't act like it's not a big deal. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. So Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. So he said, the Lord sent me for you to do what he says. And, and if you'll notice, he uses the word, heed the Lord. He didn't ask Saul to define right and wrong. God's already done that. He didn't ask Saul, you set up the standards, he's already done that. So when you see the word heed here, you know what he's telling him? 
Don't repeat your foolish mistakes. Don't substitute your judgment for God's commandments. Have I ever done that? So he's making a point to him. You got to heed the things of God. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. So the Lord's telling Saul, this is what's going to happen. Now, if we had time, we would go way back in his... This took place a long, long time ago when Amalek ambushed the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt. Verse 3. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now, when I read this right here, it's pretty apparent to me that the Lord's assignment to Saul, it's clear. Pretty clear. Not pretty clear. It's real clear. Again, he says, attack, destroy, don't spare any of them, kill them all. Now, when you read this, you may look and you think, why would God say all this? God is a merciful God. And I said this happened a long, long time ago. God gave the Amalekites year after year after year to repent. But they never would. So he said, Saul, wipe them out. Verse 7. So Saul attacked the Malachites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Malachites, alive, and he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So you begin to read in there a little bit and think, well, he did pretty good. Verse 9. But Saul, and listen, and the people... But Saul and the people, they spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, and the lamb. They kept everything that appealed to them. Anything that would benefit them, they kept it. And there had to be something within, not, not only Saul, but the people that said, you know, God will be okay with this. So we keep reading, and he says, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. You know what you see right here? This was direct rebellion against God. When I know precisely what God asked me to do, and I choose to go ahead and do it anyhow, it's rebellion. Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, listen to this, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. 
So when God gave Saul the orders, he didn't stomp his foot and blatantly disobey. He didn't look at Father God and say, I'm not going to do that. But what you begin to see here is when my obedience is selective obedience or when my obedience becomes multiple choice obedience, I prefer my will over Father God's will. Now let me ask you something. Would that define you right now? Verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went up to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he's gone around and passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Now, I want you to think about something here. You're a pretty bold soul to set up a monument of yourself. You, you really think you're pretty important. It, it would be like me putting up a big old statue of myself. Right out here on the front lawn. <laughs> you would say, Pastor, Pastor. So immediately, you see a condition of King Saul's heart. He was prideful. Pride goes before the fall. 1 Peter 5, 5. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So he makes a monument of himself. Verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I've performed the commandment of the Lord. He goes out and, and, and welcomes the prophet. He says, I obeyed. I did everything the Lord told me to do. And so the more I disobey God, the more I become deceived. And so right here, it's very clear. There's a, a differing of opinions. He said, I've, I've obeyed. I've done everything that I was supposed to. But verse 14. But Samuel said then, what is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? He, he calls him out. Saul comes in and says, I've obeyed. And, and Samuel looks at him and said, if you obeyed, pal, why do I hear this? Bah! Bah! How do you answer that? Now, watch real close here in verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, the sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we've utterly destroyed. They, the people. So did the people influence him? Did the people intimidate him? Because again, he's the king. But you know what he's saying here? The people did this and this. But, but Sammy, you got to realize they did it to worship God. Sounds good, doesn't it? Verse 16. 
Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. Can I give you my paraphrased edition? Shut up. The more you talk, the deeper you get. Have any of you ever said that to your children? Be quiet. Quit trying to justify. Quit trying to rationalize. Quit trying to make excuses. Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And so Saul said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? He asked him this question. When you were little in your own eyes, that means when you were humble. You were humble. Do you know God can work with the humble? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Malachites. Fight against them until they are consumed or exterminated. They're wiped out. Verse, listen. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Can I tell you what Samuel's trying to get Saul to do? He's confronting him to get him to a place to repent. He says, just, just repent. Just tell God you blew it. Verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I'm not going to repent. Now, does this define you right now? Because the Holy Spirit will begin to move within every one of us in here. And I can try to rationalize. I can try to make excuses just, just like he does. But I have obeyed the voice. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Malachi. I have destroyed or utterly destroyed the Malachites. Verse 21. But the people. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep, the ox, the best of things, which had been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. I don't know if you see this again, but the people. But the people. So evidently something in here, the fear of man, caused King Saul to bow to him. You know, if you were here on Wednesday night, we had the Jewish Israeli here. Just a tremendous man of God. Now he's Messianic Jew, which means he is a Jew by birth, but he believes in Jesus. So Wednesday night after the service, I'm sitting there talking to him. And he said, I love to come to America. And I said, why? And he said, cause I'm applauded. He said, man, the Christians, the evangelicals are applauding me. But he said, I'll go home next week. And he said, I'm hated. I'm despised. He said, right now, there is a Jewish rabbi that was in New York 
who he made it his point to ruin me and his, his ultimate goal was so much to ruin me that he said he has moved now to Israel to come after me. And I begin to look and I think, he's getting opposition from the Jews. But he said, it doesn't stop the assignment. He said, it doesn't change one thing that I do. He said, do you know King David? He was the poster child for opposition. He never bowed though. He lived for God. So the people, verse 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? You know what he's saying? The greatest thing me and you can do is just obey God. Remember, fear God and obey his commandments. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. And to heed. To heed means to actually do what the Lord said I'm supposed to do. Interesting, huh? Same chapter. Verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I transgressed the commandments of the Lord in your words. I've sinned. I've transgressed. I've rebelled. Now when you read that, you're almost like, way to go, Saul, way to go, way to go. But look at the little nugget back here at the end of verse 24. Because I fear the people and I obeyed their voice. So why did Saul do everything that he did? Because he feared the people more than he feared God. Could that define me? Now I know within our, our lives and our society right now, there's many of you in here. The place where you work you're probably heavily opposed. Anybody in here say that's me? Where I work, I'm, man, I am out. But it doesn't give me the right to bow to their intimidation. And so he highlights here, I fear the people who obeyed their voice. And listen to what he says. Now therefore, Please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. So what you begin to say, see here is, I want to worship God. I want to do what's right. And so when you read this, you think, Woo, what a man of God. Saul is finally coming around. But verse 26, but Samuel said, Saul, I will not return with you for you've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And, and it's easy to look and say, come on, Sammy, quit being so hard on the guy. At least he tried. He, he's 90% obedient. 
Oh, come on, give him a break. So why did Samuel say this? Verse 30. Then Saul said, I have sinned. I've sinned. Yet, now watch that little word, yet. Yet, honor me now. I confess thy sin, but the reason I confess thy sin, I want you to honor me now. Lift Saul higher. Come on, let's lift Saul higher. Honor me now. But listen, listen. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Saul was more concerned about what people thought than what God thought. Saul was more concerned about his image, his status, and his reputation before man than he was before God. Do you know it's one thing to confess your sin? It's another thing to repent of it. He confessed his sin in front of people. But he didn't repent from his heart toward God. Boy, it got quiet in here. Could that define me? Do I confess my sin, but I don't have a heart of repentance? The goodness of God is what leads man to repentance. And so through all this, that was, that was Samuel's goal was to get him to repent. Do you know the fear of the Lord produces wise and healthy actions? But if I don't fear God... It's not wise and healthy actions. It's what we see here with Saul. Am I more impressed about God's approval or man's approval? Now, I'm not going to take you there, but I'm going to quote one verse for you. You need to write this down. Psalms 55, verse 19. The faithful God deals with people over and over in this verse. And he says, but they wouldn't change. They wouldn't change. You know why they wouldn't change? Because they would not repent of their sin. And the last part of Psalm 55, 19 says they didn't fear God. They just didn't fear God. Woo. So when I read this, let me ask you a question. Do you play games with God? Am I intimidated? By the fear of people. 
And that could be home, that could be work, that could be family. That could be the, the school classroom you're in. That could be the fraternity you're in. I'm more concerned about the approval of man than I am the approval of God. And I can tell you right now, again, we're, we're on this narrow road. And, and week by week, year by year, that road is getting narrower and narrower. And that narrow road is the road that leads to life. But it's difficult. And there's only a few on it. But, but the road that is wide and broad, it's easy. And the majority of people are on it. But it's the road that leads to destruction. So I can't be a people pleaser. Why don't you stand up here? Ooh, it's quiet in here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the way the fear of the Lord is revealed, again, it's through my obedience. So I take you back to Genesis 22. Man named Abraham. He's got a son named Isaac. And God said, take him to the hills of Moriah and offer him to me as a sacrifice. My only son. My beloved son. So in Genesis 22, Abraham saddles up the donkey. And the next morning, very early, he starts making the journey to the hills of Moriah. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Selective obedience is disobedience. And he goes, and remember, he takes the knife out to sacrifice his own son. And the angel of the Lord stopped him, and the angel of the Lord said to him, I now know that you fear me. Genesis twenty-two thirteen. 13. How was the fear of the Lord revealed? When he obeyed him fully and quietly. When I go back and look, he didn't question God. He didn't question God's word. He just obeyed him. What about me? Ooh, I'm telling you guys, this has been a, a few days of repentance where I just stood before the Lord and said, oh my gosh, Father God, help us. So I'm going to ask you right here where you're at, just bow your head to the Lord. And I know he's dealing with us. And I said, with us. And if you're here today and you say, man, this is me to a T. I've, I've compromised. I, I've broken God's commandments. In order to get the applause, the approval of man. And that may be you today, right now. And you know what? I open these altars. You can start funneling down here. 
I'm not here to throw stones. But what if, what if I truly repented today? See, it's, it's easy to confess our sin. Ah, oh, Father God, I blew it. Sorry. You know what that is, literally? This is all in the Greek. You just blow and smoke up God's rear, okay? Instead of saying, Father God, I, I, I need a change of heart. I'm off base. And it's interesting that the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 1, four times he said, be strong and a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. And you know who I think that was for? Was for him against people to say, don't allow people to determine what you're going to do. And so just maybe today you say, that's me. I, I need the fear of the Lord. Maybe today, I, I need your strength today, Father God. So you know what pride does? Pride says, I don't want anybody to know I got any issues. Well, the truth of the matter, it's too late. We all know you got issues. You know why? Because we all got issues. You got issues, but I got issues. But God gives grace to the humble. And so, you know what? I open up these altars. Our team's getting ready to sing. And you know, you may want to come down here and say, hey, I, I need the great physician, the great Jehovah to do a little work in my heart today. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to get right today. And Lord, I ask you to grace me where I obey you. I go obey you. Whether it's Sunday or Friday, I'm going to obey you. And if you've allowed people to influence you for the wrong, and these altars are open. So I welcome you right now. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.